This is the Biblical Mind Podcast, produced by the Center for Hebraic Thought. Honest five-star reviews help others find this podcast. Visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org for articles and videos that explore the deep structures of Scripture. You said in a recent article, quote, There are simply no stories anywhere in the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, using any terms where one person expresses remorse to another and that person in turn accepts the gesture and expresses forgiveness. That is a very strong statement, Dr. Berman. Is that is that really true? There's nowhere in the Bible? True, that is true. There is nowhere in the Hebrew Bible, which is a book about right and wrong. It's a book about punishment. It's a book about about uh, redemption. Uh, it's a book about about uh, uh, atonement. And so it's not just an accident. You know, it isn't like, well, you know, no one has a toothbrush in the Hebrew Bible either. Right. You know, that's kind of ancillary. But um, right. And, and uh, it's, 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 it's just it's one of those things that you don't notice until you realize the, uh, the omission, that it's, it's really not there. Um, some people uh, are quick to point to uh, uh, Genesis 50, uh, mm. the final episode, really, of, uh, uh, of Joseph and his brothers, uh, where the brothers, uh, they say to Joseph, uh, lift up from us our iniquity. And Joseph basically, um, you know, is very gracious to them and says, you know, ah, don't even think about it. This was all God's doing to send you here. And it sounds a little bit on the surface of it, you know, especially that Hmm. phrase, raise up our iniquity, like take it off of us. That sounds kind of contrite and asking for forgiveness. Um, But uh, a closer look there, what you see is that really what the sons are doing, the brothers First of all, they are lying in the name of their deceased father. They say they don't say, "Oh, we're really sorry for what we did." They're, uh, uh, "Dad, may he rest in peace." Uh, uh, told us that we should tell you to lift up our iniquity, and it's not clear. Is it really true? Did Jacob really right, say that right. or not? But more to the point is that the phrase to lift up iniquity, every place where you see this in Hebrew, no se avon, la set avon, or la set fesha. It always comes in the context of, please don't bash us to pieces. Right. It, it's a plea for clemency, for a pardon. Uh, and that, that already kind of in my term or for my, my tastes taints uh, uh, what we would normally call contrition. You know, mm-hmm. that if, if uh, it, it, you know, we, we, we made up to meet at this hour, Drew, and if I had blown it and not realized, then I would, you know, the next day or whenever I realized it, I would feel very badly. And I would come to you and I would express just how badly I had felt, purely. Not because I was afraid that, you know, what's Drew going to do to me in the future? No, just because because I did you wrong and I value you and I value our relationship. Uh, And you just don't see that anywhere. And even Joseph, when Joseph, uh, as it were, seemingly to some, forgives the brothers, it's nothing of the light. He actually says, yeah, you know, you guys really did something treacherous, but... Because the Almighty has this plan that has to get the Israelites down here to Egypt, so it was a good thing. And if, and if God hadn't had such a plan, then, then what would Joseph be saying? In other words, it isn't because, oh, yes, I'm such a, a forgiving spirit, or I'm so magnanimous, 
uh, or I see, you know, what you've, you know, you've earned uh, forgiveness. It's none of that. It's, well, there's a plan. You know, I dreamt this dream and God fulfilled it and that's what needed to be. So that's mm. the closest that we come to any, to any such case. And it really raises the, like, what is going on here? Because mm. it's the, the Bible is just too big. It's too fat a book about mm. too many topics related to just this, that suddenly this is missing. I mean, what gives? Yeah, you say there's so many important things there. Uh, the relationship between the greater and the lesser is very prominent. Um, uh, the fact that he doesn't, that he contextualizes their iniquity. So it's not like, hey, yeah, no big deal. It's like, let me let me put this in a broader context so that we can mm -hmm. all understand what's happened here. Mm -hmm. um, and then the this other issue of, well, what, what is the status of their relationship after this, right? Or uh, and I think I don't know. In, in the circles I swim in, we constantly have, even at the college, and the college kids, they have these what they call DTRs, defining the relationship conversations. Uh, like, what are we? Like, oh, yeah, wow. what are we? How are we to each other? You know, uh, whether that's p two people that, that aren't sure whether they're dating or oh. roommates or colleagues. You know, like what's going on? So I think we're very confident in like uh in these ideas about uh thinking about how we're related to each other wow. and that forgiveness is part of that maintaining some Absolutely. balance in the relationship right uh i think also this is an argument from silence some would say well it just doesn't say anything in there i think it's important to point out could they have talked about contrition for forgiveness being sorry feeling badly and asking for is, is there language in the hebrew to say those kinds of things well you know it, it, would, it would appear that we have this vis-a-vis -vis the almighty so mm. if, you know and, and obviously we 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 express ourselves to the almighty in anthropomorphic terms and he speaks to us in human terms so though even there in most places when god says the word salachti Mm. which is sometimes translated, I have forgiven. In most places, it's I have pardoned. And so right. it's, it's like, okay, I won't destroy you now. But there are some places it was showed to me after that piece appeared, uh, that in Jeremiah, it really does seem to be about, you know, a restoration of a relationship, mm. you know, turning a new page, all those things that we normally associate with, uh, uh, with contrition and with, uh, you know, setting things right between us. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that anybody who's been to Israel, even if you visited Israel, you probably learned a version of this pardoning slicha because it's you know used. I think when Americans learn this term, they use it constantly. Interestingly, because mm. Americans are constantly saying "thank you" and "excuse me," "excuse mm. pardon me," "excuse me." It's very um, interesting. Yeah. So we, in many ways, we have this kind of built even into our etiquette like you know if you cut <laughs> i mean funny for me like for an american context if you cut somebody off in line or you accidentally bumped into them right it's like oh right. forgive me pardon me pardon me right. pardon me right um and so this this feels very natural to us that if something happens even a small gesture that was unintended something has to be righted so it could sound like what you're saying is basically these harsh, brutish people just didn't need any of this social greasing uh, to make things get along. But I, I, I'm thinking that you're not saying that. No, I don't think it's the case. I don't think it's that everybody in the Hebrew Bible is rude or brutish or anything like that. Uh, I think that the, 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 the social conventions 
the theological conventions are different uh, in a way that that I I, I have to uh, uh, I have to say a disclaimer at the outset that uh, that 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 little piece that you that you cited drew uh, was kind of a very first wow kind of uh, impression of something I had and I I haven't had time to work it through so I'm I'm I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak here because mm. uh, as we talk. I might renounce everything I've just said before. <laughs> um, um, so I don't have it all worked out, but there are some things that come through that are clear. There's, there's been work done by scholars, which unfortunately I haven't had the chance to, to, to review properly, but apparently the, the notion of forgiveness uh, might be quite modern uh, in, in the sense that we know it. There's a claim, there's a book called Before Forgiveness. It's a Cambridge mm. book. I forgot by who. Uh, uh, and I think the central claim, as I as I, I didn't read the book, but I read about the book, is that um, uh, in a secular age, where God can no longer be the agent or is no longer the agent mm. that is forgiving, so all we're left with is each other for forgiveness. It's a very interesting thing. And I think another thing that comes out is that in, in the pre-modern world, largely these issues of how we address one another when a wrong has been committed uh, when we're looking to uh, uh, repair the rupture, a big factor is going to be status, mm. which is totally foreign to us. In other words, let's say that a student of mine uh, submits me a paper and it gets lost in my inbox and two months go by and I haven't gotten back to them. And then suddenly I realize it. So I, I mean, I would feel you know very beholden to them to apologize and really profusely even though, I mean, it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, as professor, I am, you know, supposedly right. higher up on the, on the pyramid, la on, on the letter, on the ladder, and the student is lower. We would say, well, none of that has anything to do with anything. You know, a right is a right and a wrong is a wrong. And when someone commits a wrong, there's an indebtedness that is created there. Uh, and apparently the way that these, are, these things are handled, uh, I think in, in the Hebrew Bible for sure, and probably elsewhere, certainly in Greek and Roman literature, it wouldn't surprise me to discover, uh, is that status plays a big role. It, what, I, what I pointed out in that article is that although we never have anything really approaching what we would call, oh, I am so sorry, I feel so con contrite, or anything approaching, oh, let bygones be, be bygones, mm. I forgive you, um, um, what we do find is kissing, kissing. Right. Uh, what I mean by that is not an erotic kiss, but kissing in, in, in situations that, that are somewhat surprising. Uh, the most surprising, I would say, is when uh, uh, Absalom, uh, uh, after he murders his half-brother, Amnon, also a son of David, uh, uh, and, and the king, of course, is very upset with Absalom for having done this. And Absalom is desperate for an audience with the king. Uh, Absalom manages to get into the king, and he prostrates himself before the king, and then it says, and the king kissed him. And that clearly isn't, oh, Absalom, I love you, you, you know. No, what it is, what it is, is a, an expression of what I call it, it's a, it's a gesture of reconciliation. That is, even the king realizes, this is my son, and better to have him, you know, have a relationship with him than not have a relationship with him. And the this gesture of reconciliation always comes not only from the injured party, but the person who always happens to be the uh, uh, socially superior. 
you know, higher on the ladder, king mm. versus subject, father versus son. But you see this also with, with I would say, uh, 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 Jacob and Esau as well, mm. uh, that, you know, after all those decades apart, and Esau is pretty upset with Jacob for having stolen a blessing, having stolen the birthright, maybe some other things as well. When they do meet, and it says that they approached each other, it says that Esau was the one who kissed Jacob. It's hmm. it's a unilateral kiss. And again, it is the the socially higher one that is calling for reconciliation with the lower one. And the final case is what we what we opened with uh, in the Joseph narratives. I think the more telling case is when Joseph reveals himself mm -hmm. to the brothers. And we have there a remarkable uh, uh, distinction of phrases. It says that uh, he wept on Benjamin's neck and Benjamin wept on his neck. Benjamin, of course, being his only full brother yeah. amongst them. He wept on Benjamin's neck. And then in the next verse, it says that he, he kissed his brothers. And there's a very clear distinction between the two. And I think that the distinction is, is just this. The, the weeping, which is mutual in, those, in that verse with regard to Benjamin, those are expressions of love and of, of uh, uh, you know, reunification of, of full brothers. And when it says that, that Joseph kissed the, kissed the other brothers, that's not love. That's, that's the reconciliation. That's saying this relationship is so important to me that I have to find a way for us to move on. And this is very different than what we think about in the, in the classic paradigm of, of forgiveness, where, where, which by that I mean, you know, in a classic paradigm, like the example that I gave to you, you know, if I had blown this call, hadn't remembered, and then an hour or a day later come, then that would involve uh, introspection on my part, on the, injure, on, the part, on the part of the injuring party, introspection, uh, contrition, uh, verbal expression, of that, an acknowledgement of indebtedness to the injured party. And then in turn, the, the aggrieved party, it would, forgiveness means um, uh, uh, accepting this kind of payment of self-debasement or humiliation, uh, 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 and, then, and then letting it go so that there's a restoration of what existed beforehand. Or, or to use uh, uh, the modern phrase, which just sums it up so much more quickly, we're good. We're good. Right. Yeah, we're good. Uh, and, and so I think when Joseph kisses his brothers, none of that is really happening. What is happening is, well, we just have no choice. Uh, I have a you know, responsibility to deliver you, to offer you salvation, to make us a, you know, a refuge here in Egypt. And to do that, we can't continue to be at loggerheads. And so we reconcile so that we can work together, but it, it is a much thinner uh, uh, restoration than the deep cleansing that comes through forgiveness in the paradigm that I laid out before. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. And I think that gives us a constellation by which we can kind of navigate some other issues. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them being, you know, I think of the, the Torah as a whole, the legal reasoning of the Torah doesn't focus, well, A, it doesn't have, you know, Mesopotamian societies and Egyptian societies are imprisoning societies. So incarceration, incarceration and prison, 
hmm. are used pretty thoroughly throughout the societies. And hmm. yet uh, the Torah doesn't al- really allow for any incarceration, maybe outside of the cities of refuge. Okay. Um, That's very interesting. And so thinking of a formative notion of justice, where you're trying to form a people into a just and righteous kind of people, but you're saying there is no lock them up and throw away the key. No, but you know what's so interesting? If you're mentioning the Torah's uh, 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 judicial approach relative to these other issues, you know, in in many cultures, let's say in in, in Arabic culture, Arab culture, uh, there's the notion of the the sulcha uh, of 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 uh, of reconciliation, and it can even be for the, mo- the most serious of crimes. That is, um, mm. if someone has has murdered another person. Uh, and he's about to be taken out to be killed. Uh, I, I, I'm not; um, it's not my area, but but if I'm not mistaken, there often the aggrieved family is encouraged to accept a payoff uh, mm. uh, and a statement of of admission, and then in turn to let off the other side. This is all to def- defuse and neutralize the kind of perpetual cycle of of, of vengeance. Mm. And that, and, you never, and that you never find in the Torah. The Torah will yeah. not allow that. Uh, the Torah can allow uh, somebody to refuse stoning and then accept whatever payment they demand from them, right? Um, in oh. certain cases of capital crimes, but... Um, I'm not sure. Certainly not for murder. Uh, blood guilt, uh, and I'm stumbling to think about where this is at. It's definitely, yeah, well, I have to look at it. We'll come back okay. to that. We'll see. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the uh, I assume is the same root as Salah, uh, it's coming from the same. Sulcha, you know, root. I don't think so, actually. I mean, oh, really? It's different. I okay. think so. It's Arabic. I, I, from what I, rec- I also thought so, and I was surprised when I discovered it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, interesting. But I might be mistaken. It's also not an area of my expertise, so. So when thinking about the kind of society that the Torah seems to be wanting to shape, it really, there is this kind of, hey, we have to live together. Uh, we're not, we're not going to throw away and, and, and lock people up and not think about them anymore, mm-hmm. which, and I'm saying that as in the, in the American context, it's exactly how people think of justices. Don't do this. When you do this, we will penalize you. Mm-hmm. If you egregiously mm-hmm. violate things, you know, forget about them. Uh, we don't even, maybe if we don't even execute um, it's uh, lock them up and they get nothing. Well, anymore. you know, I think there's an important distinction when we're speaking about an American context when you're speaking about what, how the state relates to a criminal, right. To an offender. And, and in the, you know, the, the issue of forgiveness, reconciliation, all that stuff is, is between the aggrieved and mm-hmm. the, and, 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 you know, and, and the aggriever. Um, um, the state is a third party to all this. Uh, you know, I don't think we have any any process in America where, in fact, we almost separate the two. They never really get to see each other, maybe in court a little bit. Right. But we have no formal or informal process, you know, for for uh, 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 bringing repair. to such, Yeah, there such are repair. there are now nonprofits that work in the prisons to connect victims, families That's and victims with and, and let them like like a truth and reconciliation. Let them be very open and honest. With wow. Each other. Wee, that is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that's been a Christian. Uh, a lot of Christian ministries have been involved. Well, that's that, very, so. very interesting. That's very interesting. That is very <clears> interesting. So even thinking, uh, you've said it a couple times. It's like we we just need to get along. Um, and I and I think get along is a loaded phrase there because I think a lot of people are going to say, well, what do you mean by get along? And what and I, I mean, think what, what I mean yeah, what ahead. I mean is is that 
we are in this. We we are tied. We are tied. You know, at 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 the, at the navel. Uh, we do not have the opportunity. We don't have the option of completely separating for all sorts of circumstances. Usually, family family circumstances. There's just no other. There's no other option. You mm. and I are brothers. You and I are parents and children. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, and, and and therefore, because our relationship is so fundamental, not because I want it to be or don't want it, it just is, it just is. Our circumstance forces us into this. Sometimes it's economic. You know, mm-hmm. We cannot get divorced because we cannot afford to have two apartments or two homes. That's mm-hmm. just true in many, many cases. Then, then, then this is where reconciliation becomes so important to say, all right, when I'm not going to demand uh, real forgiveness or contrition. It's not available. And uh, maybe the site isn't capable of it. Maybe I'm not capable of giving it. Nonetheless, if because the task ahead of us requires us to work together, then what we will do is to look for a mode of just finding a way to move forward. Hmm. So I think a lot of Christians will be really surprised to hear this because they'll think like, well, this is all practical and this is what you do. But you're actually saying the biblical authors seem to anticipate these issues and maybe desire that full forgiveness, but the, uh, but accommodate well, for this Right, right. Partial. So I, I've been told by my learned Christian friends that I think Matthew 6 right, is a right. call for forgiveness. You know, so when we say biblical, you know, you might want to distinguish between between right. the Bible and New Testament. Um, I'd be very curious, you know, what that precise Greek word is, what it means elsewhere. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easy for us to anachronistically read into these things, all the, you know, the whole load of things that we want to find in them. Um, and I'd be curious if, you know, where do we see narrative instances of this as well? That 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 really yeah. fleshes out the the meat. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, yeah, There's this fires up so many different connections in my mind. I mean, one of them would be because Jesus teaches the, uh, you know, uh, if you know that your brother has a beef, and again, the, I'd be interested in the language as well here. If he has a beef with you, leave your, uh, seems like korban is being mentioned here, leave your korban at the altar and go be reconciled with your brother first. Uh-huh. Um, almost this kind of, you know, in Christianese, the horizontal relationship before the vertical relationship can be restored. But again, what does he mean by reconciled? Does he mean like, let's just say like, okay, we're good. You know, more work to be done. We're good. I think a lot of people automatically uh, uh, infer that he means full heart to heart meltdown. I wonder that, you know, that, that, yeah, I mean, you know, that seems to me unrealistic and, uh, you know, so that that's worthy of, of, uh, of, of looking into just what is meant there. You know, I think that when the bar is put too purely, too high, uh, it begins to ring false for some people, or it becomes uh, a kind of unattainable uh, uh, spiritual demand uh, that then, you know, can, re- can, can lead to people feeling like failures. Hmm. But if the, if the call is merely for reconciliation, that we have to find a way to move forward, you can still feel you were wronged, you know. Uh, uh, you can feel the other side hasn't done enough to warrant your full love, but we still need to get. To, we still need to find a way to move together. Hmm. Maybe I don't know. It seems to me sometimes more realistic.
So you're you're not only a biblical scholar, but you're also a rabbi. Um, and I wonder, uh, on top of some of the already uh, very practical examples you've given, uh, what you know, I'm thinking inside of ourselves, retooling. If we wanted to think along with the biblical authors about what is realistic, um, what do we need to adjust in our own thinking and feeling about and expectations about forgiveness? Uh, and what should we, you know, even more so, what should we lean into? Like, what should we propagate as this, this is actually the way, this is the thing we should be doing, even if we can't hmm. get this other thing that's further down the road? I have to do more thinking on this. I don't know if I have to answer that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure yet. Fair um, enough. I like that. <laughs> I like I mean, that. Even the rabbi doesn't have the full answer. Listen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think that, that just the fact that I could come up with with three instances of reconciliation, and none of of uh, forgiveness, is not a statement that that the Hebrew Bible prefers one or the other. Mm. Maybe it's a very uh, uh, wide, eye open, you know, sober uh, assessment of what is is really possible in most in most cases. Mm. Um. To be honest, you know, when I think in my own life, okay, about about uh, uh, forgiveness and and you know that real deep cleansing sort of thing, so it's real easy, you know, if I had blown this call, you know, it would be very easy for me to be contrite, and 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 mm. and, and genuinely so, mm. and it would be easy for you, Drew, I think, to forgive. We all miss an email or something or something in our calendar. It's not such a big deal, okay? Um, uh, there are other, obviously other relationships that we have in our lives where there's far more at stake and where the injury is far greater. Mm. Um, um, you know, I, I see it as a kind of desideratum with, my, with regard to my wife, I would say. You know, I mean, thank God I think I can say, you know, that we're wherever we have, and it's inevitable in every relationship, and we've just celebrated 30 years of marriage, you know, that there will be some rough spots and some injury here and there. That's, that's, that's just inevitable. Uh, that we've always been able to talk deeply and really air it out. Like, yeah, there, there I've, 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 you know, I can feel, you know, in both directions. Yeah, we've kind of done that process, hopefully the way that we all would aspire to. Mm. It's much harder with almost any other deep relationship. You see, we chose each other, okay? So maybe there's a background that helps us right. get to that. Um, um, you know, with parents or with kids, it's just not always an option, you know? It takes two to be able to pull this off. And when the other side, maybe you're ready for it as either being the one who is aggrieved or the one who did the aggrieving, uh, but if the other side just isn't built for it, uh, reconciliation is a really, really important outlet. Mm. And, and, and should be embraced. That's, that's all that I think. And, and yeah, and I think that if we, if we come to that recognition, you know, my relation, you know, especially others, one of my children, especially I can feel this, you know, yeah, my, what I have, I have to be his Abba, his father, fully. Uh, and, and, you know, if there's some rough spots, that doesn't change it. And, and it's just, that's more important than anything else. And so even if, you know, not everything gets aired out, not everything, the debt isn't always repaid, uh, but none of that, that pales in, in, in comparison to the responsibility that I have to father him. 
fully. And so reconciliation is the way to go. How do we just move forward? We're not going to address everything that was. There isn't going to be that deep cleaning and cleansing, at least not now. I love that that was your partial half-form thought. That, <laughs> that, that was pretty good. That was pretty on point. Um, yeah. One final question for you. Um, do you think God uh, is looking at us going like, eh, okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> wow. Boy. Gosh. You know, for me as a Jew, that, that's on two planes. It could be as an individual, as we all are. And for me, there's always, you know, the national setting. And, you mm. know, what does God think of us? I mean, all of us are part of an us too. Uh, mm -hmm. I think with, you know, with regard to, to, to Judaism, it's, you know, very, very pronounced and, and, and defined. Um, uh, I, 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 my own theological leanings are more toward uh, uh, in, in my through my Jewish framework, okay, I'm just saying this from where I am, okay, that uh, uh, God responding to each and everything that I do, I, I think more on, on the national level than on the individual level. I'm not sure if God is responding to everything that I do. I think God is aware, God mm -hmm. hears, God knows. Um, I don't know, it's hard for me, you know, I hope it's, it's, it's hard. I don't know, I don't know, hmm. I don't know. That's great. Okay, a postscript. I could almost feel some of you screaming into your headphones or in your cars as you listen to this uh, interview I did with Dr. Berman yesterday saying, why aren't you talking about the prodigal son? Indeed, I myself, when I described the discussion I had with Dr. Berman to my wife, uh, all of a sudden realized, oh, the prodigal son, and she mentioned it as well. So I went back and looked at that text because it seems such an obvious text to discuss forgiveness in the New Testament amongst other places. But it's actually a position where you have the father who is in a higher position, power-wise, with the son who is returning in submission. And there you see there is no mechanical exchange of forgiveness. It may be implied. There may be that full healing between them. But the action that you see without words is the father running to his son and giving him a kiss. It seems that our, there are some implications for what Dr. Berman is saying beyond the Hebrew Bible. Maybe even the New Testament authors were picking up what the biblical authors of the Hebrew scriptures were laying down. More work needs to be done to think about how this is integrated, but we can't do all that right now. That's all. Well, uh, Dr. Joshua Berman, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom as always. Uh, it's always so... Um, so cleansing for me to hear you speak on these things. All right, excellent. And uh, friends, we should, uh, I don't know when this is going on the air, but if it's anytime soon, then it should be, uh, as we turn a new year, that it should be a, a good year for everyone and a year of health and hopefully uh, growth in, in, in all aspects of our humanity. You've been listening to the Biblical Mind Podcast, exploring the deep structures of Christian scripture. For more, Visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org. Subscribe to this podcast at all the usual places so you never miss an episode.